0: There's several different types of platforms, but uh, most specifically, and where we're furthest engaged, is on robotic dogs. So think of this as a like a dog, but a, but a robot. Uh, the, the the purpose of these uh, for for the industry is to put them into places uh, where you don't want to put people, and so these are sensor platforms. Uh, you can put uh, uh, radiation detection, chemical detection, biological detection, put them into places where you don't want people in there, where people could be farmed, right, if they're uh, subjected to the, these substances, so then the dogs can go in, they can sense that environment, they can navigate that environment, they can, they can help remediate what's going on in, in that environment.
1: Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers
0: alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith.
2: That's vertex-us.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode. Today, our guest is Art Pregler with AT&T. Art is the Director of Network Engineering uh, for AT&T. He's responsible for implementing key telecom programs and oversees AT&T's drone program, which includes terrestrial robots and autonomous systems. And uh, that's exactly why we invited Art to join us today. We wanted to talk to him about a lot of the things he's working on that most of us have no idea that uh, at and is working on, and that's specifically around their work with robots, drones, and other autonomous systems. So, you know, most of us think of AT&T, and we think about our cellular phone service or internet service. So this is going to be a fun one to learn about some of the cool stuff Art and his team are working on. So uh, thanks for joining us, Art.
0: Yeah, glad to be here.
2: Yeah, perfect. Art, right. So this is an uh, amazing Involving
1: subject, you know, autonomous vehicle, I mean, you know, autonomous, I guess, platforms. Give us a little bit of the background on how you got started in this category, in these projects.
0: Well, we at and got started in, in, the, in this category because uh, our foundation is connectivity, and, and we saw uh, an opportunity and, an, and a need uh, in, in that, that space. So drones obviously need connectivity to, to uh, communicate and and integrate uh, with each other uh, also we saw that as an opportunity to provide connectivity from drones to to users on the ground uh, same with uh, terrestrial platforms uh, connectivity is at the heart of it uh, being able to connect these these devices uh, in into network and have them uh, work together uh, communicating uh,
2: with each other so one of those autonomous terrestrial systems that you guys have developed is Robots, terrestrial robots. So let's start there. Tell us what exactly are we talking about here, and 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 why terrestrial robots?
0: Sure. So yeah, there, there's several different types of platforms, but uh, most specifically, and and where where we're uh, furthest engaged is on robotic dogs. So think of this as a like a dog, but a, but a robot. Uh, the, the The purpose of these uh, for for the industry is to put them into places. Uh, where you don't want to put people. And so these are sensor platforms. You can put radiation detection, chemical detection, biological detection, put them into places where you don't want people in there, where people could be farmed right? if they're uh, subjected to the, these substances. So then the dogs can go in, they can sense that environment, they can navigate that environment, they can they can help remediate what's going on in, in that environment. And then again, with the at Perspective, it's providing connectivity to get that data uh, back to users that can then take action.
2: So, is this using the public AT and T cellular network, or is there other networks that are being used uh, with with these systems?
0: Yeah, it's both the uh, the the public uh, commercial network and it's also FirstNet. So, providing these services to. Uh, uh, first responders to to public safety agencies. So particularly when you're talking about like bomb bomb disposal, or even they, these dogs can can sense fentanyl. So, so they have you know value in, in that case. They can if for search and rescue they can go in and and look for for bodies uh, you know that are potentially buried in, in rubble after some type of natural disaster. So they have ground penetrating radar. There's cadaver sensors. There's there's so many different uh, uses for, for this technology.
2: Wow that's pretty cool. Are what are, are there some specific events you can talk about where these these have been utilized in the recent uh history?
0: Uh sure yeah we have them at about a dozen military bases where they perform uh, perimeter security, flight line security. So they're fully autonomous, again working on our network, they they get up They'll walk routes uh, looking for anomalies. If they see anomalies, they'll report it to security police so that they can engage. If they don't see anything when they're done with their routes, they'll return to their kennels. And then they'll charge themselves. They'll recharge themselves so that they can go back out on another run. And all of this is done uh, completely autonomous without, without people uh, managing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. I, I like the word sensor platform because in a robotic dog, I was trying to get my mind arrested rest about but sensor platform makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can actually use it for ground penetrating radar. Radar, and since it's autonomous, you can actually program it to do a grid perfectly to to utilize that technology. Correct.
0: That's exactly correct. Exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. You can you can either put in you know, waypoints and, and pre-program a route so that they can that that they can walk that that same route each time. Or you can give it an endpoint or a mission, and then have the dog uh, figure out how to get there and figure out how to navigate uh, obstacles uh, along along the way. Uh, AT and T we have a, uh, a patented uh, solution called GeoCast, and, and that's exactly what that does. It allows the 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 robot to understand the area that that it's in and make the decisions on how to. Uh, to get from one point to another and, and navigate any, any obst- obstructions along the way and communicate, uh, work with, with other dogs, say like as a pack of dogs or working uh, with drones or uh, even having the, the, the drones and the dogs coordinate uh, our mission together.
2: Are there, are there examples where maybe some of our listeners might have had an opportunity to see these in the general public versus outside of a military application?
0: Uh, so first responders are starting to to get in, into the, the space of, of using these dogs. Uh, I'll be working with a, a bomb squad at an airport here in, in about a, a couple of weeks uh, to d- demonstrate the capability. In the past, a lot of bomb squads have used their tracked uh, vehicles to, to deal with the explosive devices or suspicious packages. And uh, after testing, we've we concluded that the uh, quadrupedal uh, ground vehicle, which is basically what a dog is, uh, can, can navigate terrain more successfully uh, than than these tracked vehicles. So uh, not that most of your listeners have been in areas where there are bombs, uh, but but there are uh, instances, they're starting to to see instances uh, in, in the public safety arena also where, where these types of dogs are being used.
2: For some reason, I thought I saw somewhere, and I might be mistaken, that they might have been either on display or actually used at the most recent Super Bowl. Is that right?
0: Correct. Yes. Yeah. We were there uh, at the Super Bowl with our drones and our dogs, and, and we did have the uh, CBRN unit. So that CBRN stands for chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear uh, detection. So we had the sensors on the dogs, and the dogs were ready to engage if uh, if anything uh, in a catastrophic happened during during the Super Bowl. So yes, the dog was there.
1: Yeah. An interesting note, and I know we're going to talk about drones in a minute. That when you think about, I guess robotics or. a, in an environment where humans are not there, does the drones augment intermittent connectivity? Cause I imagine some of these circumstances, you know, when they're in out, if they're out in the wilderness, we have intermittent connectivity there. And so does the drones augment the dog to provide?
0: Uh, correct. Yeah. A, a couple of, of uses for the, for the dogs and the drones to work together. One is, uh, allowing the dogs to have a better sense of the environment a- around it. So the dogs have a. Obviously, a ground level view. Uh, but if they they get into an area with tall grass, or they need to see beyond uh, some visual obstructions, the dogs can launch a drone. The drone can then get get a better uh, eyes on on the the, the the scene and provide that information back to the dog. So that that's one use case between the dog and the drone. Also, dogs can be um, uh, connectivity platforms, so and, and like a Wi-Fi hotspot or cellular you know, hotspot, uh, providing connectivity uh, in an area, and then uh, launching a drone to to expand that uh, uh, that connectivity.
2: That's kind of a good segue to to the drones. Let's let's talk more about the drones. And when we say drones, I mean drones can mean a lot of things, right? So uh, I think what you're alluding to there is basically a flying device, a flying autonomous system that is being used to add additional cellular coverage in an area. Is that right?
0: Correct. Yeah. We refer to them as flying cows. So in this case, cell on wings instead of cell on wheels. And so these are essentially flying cell towers. So yes, we can launch one of these drones uh, in an area and provide instant connectivity. So your device, your handset, uh, wouldn't even know that it's talking through a drone. It'll, it will you would it just assume it's talking to the nearest cell site or nearest cell tower, but in fact, that the, the data is going through a drone and then into the at network.
2: Take us through how exactly that works because we've had a lot of episodes educating our customers on the need for, for example, we have an episode called Wireless Needs Wires, right? And how we're deploying all of this fiber to all these cell sites so that the cell site can connect to the network. We talk a lot about things for, you know, power and how we have to get power to a site. So help our listeners understand how the heck you can have a cell site flying in the air on a drone and be connected to the rest of the world and have power and all those good things.
0: Yeah, so there are quite a few uh, solutions in the, this space that we that we have available. Uh, but our, our default, our simplest solution is a, is a tethered uh, flying cow. So we have a drone uh, flying in the air up to 400 feet, and it has uh, remote radio heads on it and antennas. So just like a cell tower has a remote radio heads and antennas, the drone has that as well. Uh, so your signal from your phone goes up to the antennas, into the radios, and then down the tether. So the tether providing t- power to the drone so that the drone can uh, remain uh, aloft for, for several days uh, at a time without landing. But it also has a, a, a couple of fiber connections running through that tether so that the data goes down the tether into baseband units on the ground, VPN routers, and then into whatever type of backhaul uh, we have available into back into our network. So we can use satellite, we can use microwave, free space, uh, optics. There, there's a, a lot of different ways to get that that uh, solution or that, that data back into our network. Even, even uh, fiber, if there's functioning fiber in the area where we deploy. We also have a generator uh, there to, to power the, this whole system, or we can tap into commercial power if that's available.
1: Wow, well, I mean, I definitely see the use case, uh, with hurricanes, and, you know, devastating hurricanes, where all of the communications, out. you just roll this in on a truck, you tether it up and now you have coverage. Like what kind of coverage would a drone do, I mean, you know, is it five miles, 10 miles, is it hundreds of miles?
0: Yeah, it, it varies de- depending on on a lot of conditions. Uh, so, in it, 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 our best our best case scenario is a is a flat desert environment with with, with minimal uh, vegetation, actually no vegetation. And in that case, uh, we can get up to the two hundred and two hundred and seventy square miles uh, of connectivity from a flying cow at, at four hundred feet. Uh, but then, uh, as you introduce you know, rolling hills, as you introduce vegetation, uh, buildings that all of these other, uh, obstructions that, that, that absorb RF energy, that, then that, that coverage area, uh, comes down considerably.
1: Well, did the, are the drones, um, like synchronized with other drone, other flying cows so that you could continue to extend coverage, to more rural applications or.
0: Yeah. The, the flying cow is essentially a node on the network. It's another cell tower. So it needs to be integrated into the, to the network just as you integrate any other cell tower so yes you have handoffs between the drones and other drones you have handoffs between the drones and other cell towers it functions just like a, a regular cell tower in the way.
2: And, and you at the beginning of talking about the flying drones you alluded to the fact that that's these flying cows um cells on wings are one of a stable of these types of solutions you have talk a little bit more what I'm trying to imagine what the heck else could there be.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so so in addition to uh, tethered flying cows, then then we have untethered flying cows, and then that becomes more complex because when you cut that tether, now you have to provide power to that drone, and you have to get that the the wireless signal from the drone back to to the network. And so then in that case, then you have front hole solutions to to wirelessly transmit the data back into the into the, the network. And then also you have to get power to the drone. There, there's a couple of solutions there with, with either wireless power or uh, solar solar power. Uh, so that there's and there's alternative uh, energy sources uh, as well for, to, to power the drones.
2: And I, I seem to recall that you guys had some additional flying machines besides drones that you were also working with. Same concept, but
0: same concept, yeah. So we have aerostats as well. So a blimp, think of it that way. Uh, so we have tethered blimps where we can provide uh, a connectivity just in the same way as a drone. Uh, benefit with, with that is uh, a weight carrying capacity. So we can put macro cell tower equipment on there rather than small cell equipment. So then that increases the, the, the power output. Uh, so additional uh, coverage and, and capacity, uh, station time. Uh, with with these aerostats, and we have a, a couple of different ones uh,
2: uh, available and in the development. And and I'm imagining those can go to much higher altitudes as well.
0: They can Well, we we fly them typically at a thousand uh, feet, but and that, again that, that that's uh, constrained by the the tether heights, uh, the tether distance, because again we're running fiber and, and power through through that that tether. But yes, we we can go higher altitudes.
2: And in all of these cases, I got to imagine there's a lot of behind-the-scenes logistics that you got to be on your game with, i.e. coordination with the FAA and aviation, for example, uh, right? Can't can't have these things in the air where they're going to be at any risk of interfering with uh, with, with airplanes, for example.
0: Correct. And, and each type of solution has its own regulatory environment. So, yeah, so with uh, 4i Part 101 for the, the aerostats, Part 107, for the drones up to 400 feet, if we go into higher Tooth with heavier drones, and so then that puts us into uh, Part sixty, and so and there's you know, Part one thirty five if you're carrying payloads. So, so it it, uh, it can get uh, complex, I suppose, in the, in the regulatory environment, depending on on what we're doing, how we're doing it, what we're what we're carrying.
2: All of these various part references you're making for our listeners, uh, basically, these are just various regulatory processes that the FAA makes you go through, depending on the circumstances.
0: Correct. Yes. And then also uh, getting the the drones certified uh, to operate in those environments, having the pilots certified to operate in those environments. Yes. There's a lot involved.
1: Yeah. Pretty amazing. AT&T is definitely a front runner. And with FirstNet and now these these type of applications just enable, you know, our community to be better connected, be there for emergencies and do those things. So, Do you guys have other things you're working on in the future, you know, along these lines or just where where do you stand with that?
0: Sure. Yeah, no, we have uh, additional solutions in development, for example, a high altitude uh, flying cow, so this would be uh, a drone flying at 60,000 feet and remaining airborne for several months at a time, again, providing connectivity in that particular solution. The uh, the wings are solar panels, solar collectors, or, or which are power power that the, the drones are enabled to to stay up that long. And it, then this would be up above commercial traffic, and then again providing connectivity to a, a very wide area on the ground. Uh, one of the the the, the strengths benefits of a flying cow is that it's it the altitude that it flies propagates a wider coverage area. As you go up in altitude, you you, you go a wider in in that coverage area, and, and so. It'd be, LTE 5G being line of sight, uh, it, it translates to, uh, to a good, good solution using using drones to provide connectivity.
2: So, so when you think about that, um, you know, we've talked a, a lot about the fact that in urban areas, you know, when these networks were launched back in the late 80s, early 90s, that we would launch a city the size of Seattle or Denver with, you know, a handful of cell sites really tall that covered a large area. And then a, as these networks matured, the sites had to get smaller, and we've got in the order of thousands or tens of thousands of of node locations in a city that size now. Tell me a little bit about the trade-offs on these different applications, because obviously if we fly a drone at a 1,000 feet over a large metropolitan area, that maybe creates some problems within the network in terms of covering too big of an area. So I'm imagining that these applications for the higher flying cell on wings or, or, or blimps or what have you probably are, are more rural in nature and or a unique type of application that's maybe different than the traditional cell site is providing to customers?
0: Sure. So yeah, the, the, when the way you described it for the macro network, for the terrestrial network, works exactly the same way for, for the flying cows. So uh, typically when, we'll, when we uh, deploy to a disaster area, for example, uh, we'll work with our our RF engineers, and they they'll tell us the location that they would like us to fly, where there is a, a dead spot, for example. If a hurricane comes through and wipes out the infrastructure, that they'll tell us to uh, deploy to a certain lat long, and they'll also tell us a certain altitude to to fly uh, to ensure that our our drone integrates well with with the neighboring uh, cell sites. So although we we can fly at 400 feet. Uh, sometimes we're, we're told to fly at, at 150 feet to, so that we don't interfere w- w- with with the surrounding uh, cell sites, and, and so we have smooth handoffs. So it, it works exactly the same way. And also, you're you're correct in the rural applications for the higher uh, altitude drones. So those are uh, intended to, to serve more rural areas, more remote areas where there isn't a, a lot of uh, of network uh, de- de- deployed uh, underneath there. And so, you know, all the rage
1: these days is about artificial intelligence, you know, and, and this kind of, these kind of applications and back to, you know, the sensor platforms pulling so much types of data. Do you guys have plans to integrate into you know, the new AI solutions that are being developed in order to?
0: Yes. Yeah. at and we've been in, in uh, the, 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 the artificial intelligence uh, field for quite a while, actually, since the 1990s, we have. Over 130 patents uh, in that area and when we first started with drones back in uh, 20 or 2014, uh, th- that's exactly where, where we started was uh, with cell tower inspections, uh, first in providing uh, videos and photos and then moving to digital twins and then moving introducing AI so we could uh, identify defects and anomalies on, on the, the cell towers. Uh, so that was what, what the drone. From a drone perspective and then with the robot dog perspective the dogs also have the the same type of intelligence built in so the the dogs uh, have sensors have cameras in in, in all directions so that the dogs can see 360 degrees and they use the the video analytics to understand and and make sense of the environment and then also to to report back uh anything they see where so earlier when i mentioned at these uh, military bases where the dogs are doing perimeter security, they're looking for anomalies. Well, they use artificial intelligence to determine what an anomaly is, or if they're, they're, they're instructed to look for a certain type of, of image. They, they understand the image through AI and then uh, report back if they, they, they see uh, whatever it is they, they've been uh, programmed to look
2: for. So we talked. We talked a little bit earlier and you met, You alluded to FirstNet. For those of our listeners that don't know what FirstNet is, we do have an episode, um, actually the episode we recorded prior to this one with you, which was with the CTO of FirstNet, Jeff Bratcher. But for those that may not have heard that episode yet, let's do a quick overview for our listeners of of what FirstNet is. It, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit, Art, and I'll, I'll kind of give that overview. You can tell us a little bit about why... FirstNet has been an important part or how they may have played a role in the development of these systems. But before we get there, for our listeners, FirstNet is effectively a nationwide network that the federal government had developed for first responders so that first responders could have a dedicated network for 4G LTE data and now 5G so that they wouldn't have to share that network with the general public. So going back to 9-11, September 11th, with the World Trade Center, when that disaster happened, basically all the cellular networks were brought to their knees. And those first responders that were using cell phones were also unable to use their phones to communicate. So FirstNet has been developed. It's been in service for a while. FirstNet is actually partnered with AT&T. AT&T actually provides the network and has done the development uh hand in hand with the first net authority to to bring that service on air. And so if you want to hear more about that, listen to the episode prior to this on FirstNet. But but with that introduction, Art, kind of help our listeners understand, you know, what role has FirstNet played in the development of these systems? And, you know, do you see these systems still being in place, for example, in the same way they are if it was not for that FirstNet partnership?
0: Sure, yeah. So, uh, well, starting with, with the flying cows, FirstNet has uh, a, a wide range of deployables, what are called deployables. So these are assets that are moved to the field to support uh, public safety uh, in any emergent situations. So typically these are sat colts, these are uh cell on, on light truck with, with satellite backhaul. They, they have CRDs, so these are uh, rapid de- deployables, so these are uh, ground units. Uh, that, that provide connectivity in the field. Well, in addition to those types of assets, and there are, there are many others, uh, we have our flying cows, so they can also deploy uh, rapidly and provide Band 14 FirstNet connectivity to public safety agencies whenever called upon. So this is part of that that FirstNet solution set uh, that, that we we provide this. Uh, in addition to that, we now have the the ground robots or so the, the the robot dogs uh, providing uh similar services uh the various sensors are going into you know uh disaster areas these dogs can even swim uh is to provide to get to wherever they they need to go into these these hazardous challenging areas to to help uh first responders uh perform perform that their missions
2: wow well thanks thanks art that that's uh it's amazing and I'll, I'll tell you that uh i think i've told you off offline several times in the time we've, we've interacted that uh I'm jealous and i would i would love to have your job it's uh, it's an amazing I just geek out every time we talk and uh it's it's you know i to to understand all of the things going on beyond what we all assume a t t is doing is is i think uh, quite innovative so we appreciate your time and look forward to hearing and seeing more of the things that you and your team are are working on innovating
0: sure no pleasure pleasure speaking with you yeah. Uh, and yeah we we look forward to a really Bright future a lot going on a lot more on on the horizon and the the, uh yeah just have unlimited
2: uh, prospects for for where these various technologies are working with all right thanks we'll talk to you later
0: thanks for listening to the 5g guys for more resources and to connect with dan and wayne check out their website at 5gguys.com If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family.